everyone's experience in their personal lives appear trivially easy to move data around the world. But frequently these days, when people come to work, we're back in that siloed, clunky IT environment, and I think to myself, gee whiz, why isn't this just easy like in the cloud? Hello and welcome to Explain It, brought to you by SoftCat, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on detail. I'm host Michael Bird, and over the next 30 or so minutes, they'll be challenging our panel of experts to take a different area of the IT ecosystem and, of course, explain it. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look at unstructured data. And with me to help explain, explore and understand is Dylan Foster-Edwards, who is SoftCat's head of the Office of the Chief Technologists. Now, Dylan, this is your second time on Series 2 of the show. Uh, You brought an interesting fact before. What is your interesting fact? So, second interesting fact is, as a part-time job, I'm actually uh, an officer in the RAF. I ran a squadron for about 12 years, and uh, recently with work and children and stuff, I now part of a training team who runs um, a couple of exercises twice a year. Nice. Keeps me busy in part-time. And with us to help, we've also got Andy Hardy, who is EMEA Region Vice President of Nasuni. Andy, what is your interesting fact? I have a small aeroplane, a Piper Cherokee, which nice. uh, I love. But I've flown that uh, little Piper Cherokee all the way from here to Sydney, Australia, my hometown. My goodness. How long does that take? Seven weeks and two days. Wow. wow. Do you have any hairy moments? Crossing the Timor Sea, which is like five and a half hours of water, we were halfway across that, and the engine just coughed oh. and stopped. Oh, my goodness. It stopped for about eight heartbeats and then it started again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That must have been nerve-wracking. What would you have done? We, we'd passed um, uh, an oil platform about 80 miles previous, and I remember selecting that in the GPS because I'd marked it as we went past. You just do. And I turned towards it. I realized I could glide about 20 miles, and I was thinking, could I swim 60? And then by then, the engine had uh, sorted itself out. We had some bad fuel that had had an issue. Andy, also, what does EMEA Region Vice President actually do? Well, I run the sales organization. So we have people in the UK, in Germany, in the Netherlands, uh, in Ireland, and we have uh, sales, pre-sales, technical support, professional services, that type of thing. So I'm responsible for the, for the P&L here in uh, EMEA, here in Middle East Africa. So, Andy, first things first, unstructured data, what does it mean? Unstructured data, most people just call it files, but we use the word unstructured because users are able to put stuff and organize stuff where they want it and how they want it. So, structured data would be like in an application or a database and the the software is deciding where the information goes. Unstructured data is when users or groups of users can organize themselves around uh, data. How does that differ to other types of data? So structured data would be like block data, sand storage, the sort of simple data that storage that's needed behind databases and applications. File data is what we put in NAS, in network attached storage, things like uh, NetApp and Isilon and uh, those type of products. So the fundamental difference really is that users get to name the files, decide where the files get put, decide how to organize a hierarchical directory structure so that you can work as humans like to, which is fuzzy. It's, it's not always rigid like a database table. 
So it's being able to have not just your personal files stored somewhere. That's a fairly trivial problem that most people would be familiar with from their laptop or their cloud storage for their for their personal files. But um, in a, an enterprise environment, it's really a focus around group shares where lots of people can access files. And I guess it's you know it's an area that. I know we see from customers it, it, it continually grows because obviously they never 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 delete anything, use never no tidy one. anything up, so it just grows and grows and grows as they. Any IT director will tell you that no one knows what to delete or is afraid to delete. Staff leave. Can we get rid of that? Oh, I don't know. Let's keep it just in case. So, unstructured file data is the fastest growing and the largest portion of enterprise file data. It's about eighty percent. Uh, of all the data by terabytes that's uh, in people's environments. What are some of the challenges that organizations are facing with uh, unstructured data? The fundamental issue is this interminable growth. In the old days, we used to be able to stick all the data on one disk or one tape reel or something like that. And then that wasn't big enough, so the disks got bigger, but they weren't big enough. And so then we started stuffing the disks in a box which you could call a NAS, like a network attached storage, so I could get more data in one box. But the, the fundamental problem still remains that one day that box will fill up. So I'll buy another what we call shelf to stick in the box, and then one day I won't have any room to put more shelves, and that'll be too big. So then I'll throw all of that away, literally stick it in a skip, and I'll buy another one, a bigger one, the next generation one, the one with more compression or whatever, and I'll stuff that into my basement, which some people call their data center. This cycle has gone on for several decades now, and we've reached a point for many businesses where just stuffing more data in a box in the basement or in my robo sites, my remote offices and branch offices, we're just running out of the ability to do that. People don't know what to delete. What can we get rid of? It's a challenge. Can you give some examples of some different industries? I mean, if you think about manufacturing, uh, people have really critical information, CAD, uh, computer-aided design drawings, uh, 3D modeling, uh, things like uh, in the construction industry, things like Revit models that, that tell us how a building's put together and what all the different components of that building are. You need to keep that for a long time, obviously, because of building maintenance. In the media space, you would have, if you're producing a, a magazine ad, uh, the images, the text, the graphics for that. Uh, if you're um, producing a TV commercial, you would have all the raw footage of that, etc. All of this is unstructured data. If you're in the oil and gas industry, a lot of our customers are in oil and gas, uh, then you're collecting humongous amounts of data in the form of seismic returns that need to be analysed in the form of drone images of, of rigs at sea and uh, undersea camera uh, video of pipeline inspections. There's helicopters flying around this country all the time inspecting power infrastructure and the video from all that is kept because you see in the old days we would collect that raw data, analyse it, just keep those analysed results. But increasingly what people have understood is that, you know, for example, with seismic data, we might need to revisit that raw data at a later stage with greater insight than we had initially and reanalyse it. And so there's this great reluctance to throw it away. It's valuable and we might need to work with it again and again. But having said that, the vast bulk of what we store will never be accessed again. We don't know which needle in the haystack we're going to need later. But that's the nature of the problem uh, across a range of industries. It just grows and grows, and it's business-critical, valuable information. And if I can't get it, it may be that I can't do my job, that I can't satisfy a customer process of some sort. Uh, and, of course, that affects revenue. Why is that data so hard to manage? Unstructured data is a growth problem. It's a capacity problem. And we haven't yet talked about really how you store it, but you know, historically it's been in your own premises. 
And so at some point, you're going to have to expand those premises, build bigger data centers, invest in technologies which let you somehow compress it. And alongside that, I've got to do something else as well besides merely store it. What if I lose it? How am I going to get it back? And there's a few different aspects of that uh, backup and uh, restore process and business continuity and disaster recovery that we have to take into account. Long story short, we need to make another copy of all that data. In fact, we make several more copies of that data, what's called secondary data, so that we can recover um, a past version of a file. Another challenge that's associated with that backup process is the backup window. It can take more time than we have to make that secondary copy of data. So we have all sorts of techniques for trying to speed that up and snapshot approaches and so forth. But fundamentally, people run out of time to make that, that backup uh, copy. And then lastly, if I'm making a whole copy of my files and, and uh, compute systems elsewhere for disaster recovery in a, in a DR site, then I've got the problem of how am I going to fail over to that, as well as the cost of having all of that secondary data. So these challenges all multiply as we grow this and it's growing exponentially. I'm just going to say about, about obviously about growing is, a, is an issue because the technology we've got is increasing the size of the files. We've been working a bit with police forces, you know, they have uh, body cameras and they're just moving to the next generation of body cameras, you know, and the data increases about four times the size it was previously. And another problem that, that goes with all this data is what we call retention. So it may well be that I might need to look back at data from a very long time ago. And again, it's really hard for me when I'm storing this stuff as an IT guy to, to know which data and when. But if you think of the problems around medical processes, clinical imaging, for example, it may well be that someone's condition recurs and we need to go back and get past images and compare them to now. And of course, in a clinical setting, I kind of want that past image really quickly. And that's quite difficult to do. And then there's a fresh challenge, and that's around security, people getting their data corrupted by um, bad actors, uh, people who want to ransom money from you because they want to take control of the access to your data by encrypting it, uh, potentially, and other challenges like that. So um, for an organization, then, what, what options do they have to manage this, uh, this unstructured data? There's three main options. First of all, I could have it all on-premise in standalone NAS. So that's network-attached storage. That's storage that has a file system built into it. Uh, secondly, uh, I could have a hybrid approach where the solution is partly on-premise and partly in the cloud. And then there's also a third approach, which is to have a 100% pure cloud solution. Okay, so let's, let's talk through then the option of fully on-premise. Sure. So if I'm an organization with a main office with a thousand users, let's say, and I might have a dozen or even hundreds of smaller offices with smaller numbers of users, what I would do for the on-premise solution is I would put a large NAS array uh, into the main office because I would have a lot of people with their data in one uh, system. I'd probably have a replica copy of that, either on the same site or perhaps at a remote site or a separate disaster recovery site to protect me from that risk of losing that site or losing that system. I would also have to implement at that large site backup. And then I would also have to have similar solutions, different sizes, perhaps smaller in my robo sites, my remote offices and branch offices. Those systems will let users access files in that local system quite readily. But it typically is the case that to access the files from far away from another site, I would use the WAN 
and that's a very expensive thing, a wide area network, and it can also be very slow. As the files get larger, it certainly gets slower. Okay, so that's fully on-premise. And then what about the kind of the hybrid model? The hybrid model would entail having part of the solution on-premise. That would typically be the file storage. And then they might have cloud elements for the backup. And it might be that in some of their robo-sites, their remote offices and branch offices, they decide that they can do without having a, uh, a local copy of the data and access those files from the cloud. If it's just personal files that people need, then it's trivially easy to get it uh, in the cloud. But if it's a large amount of data for those sites, then you know that might be a more challenging problem. But there are ways to stitch together as people have sort of started to figure out uh, how to get the infrastructure into the cloud, a combination of on-premise and, and cloud. And then so finally, all cloud? Well, all cloud's something that's growing in popularity. And when I say cloud, I might be talking about public cloud, uh, vendors like uh, some of our partners like uh, AWS and uh, Microsoft Azure and IBM Cloud Object Storage and Google GCP, Google Cloud Platform. Uh, but equally, uh, when we talk about cloud, it may be on-premise. So there are cloud storage solutions that you can run in your own facilities and share globally as well that come from a number of vendors, uh, people like Cloudian, for example. So the idea of uh, a purely cloud file storage solution has some great advantages. First of all, if all of my files are in the cloud, then I know that all the data is protected. If I have all my files in the cloud, then I can share it more readily around the world. Can you kind of give some strengths and weaknesses and maybe some reasons why an organization would pick one or more of those different options that you just talked through? I think you would stay with an on-premise solution or perhaps even a private cloud solution where you just weren't comfortable, and this might be the case with some investment banks, for example, that your file data, your commercial data, your customer's data uh, is going to be in someone else's infrastructure. That would be a good reason to keep the data on-premise. You might also choose a hybrid solution because your approach to solving the performance problem is to keep hardware local and um, and then have the backup and the secondary data copies in the cloud. The problem with that, of course, is with both of those approaches, of course, is that you're still left with the fundamental issue that you will run out of capacity and you will have to buy more and you have to invest large amounts of capital uh, in order to grow and expand and, and duplicate that data. And then lastly, the reason that you would put data into the cloud would be primarily to reduce the cost to increase the accessibility of that data uh, from any part of the world and to be able to enable staff to, to collaborate globally rather than just uh, from within one office. Increasingly, some CIOs are also taking the view that perhaps these large global cloud organizations can do maybe a better job of protecting that data as well than they are able to do or able to afford to invest to do on-premise in their own infrastructure. So the old idea was is it secure in the cloud? The new idea is how can I be as effective at keeping it secure on-premise as some of these large global cloud vendors might be able to do? But then we've got some other trade-offs to consider. So what are the disadvantages then of, of going all cloud? So uh, in terms of data sovereignty, uh, it's very often the case, sometimes for regulatory reasons, sometimes just for purely corporate politics issues, <laughs> that my German operations might decide that they really want files to be stored in Germany. Maybe that's how their customers feel about that data. And it might also be that I've got operations in China, where behind the Great Firewall of China, as some people call it, the Chinese government will sometimes insist that your data is held uh, in China. 
What I'm going to struggle with in, in those circumstances is putting all of my data in the same place. So one of the things that's important for customers is that they're able to put data in more than one cloud environment at the back end. Now, what we don't want to do with that is then complicate how users access their data. There are technologies like Nasuni which can help you with that problem, which can present it uh, as a single global file system. And yet, in reality, we might have it stored in different parts of the world for those data sovereignty reasons. So is what you're mentioning, is that basically an enterprise file sync and share system? Uh, no. So a lot of users will be familiar with uh, enterprise file sync and share systems. OneDrive for business would be extremely well known things like Google Drive and Dropbox, etc. And technologies like, like ours, which is a cloud-based file system, are complementary to that. So what FileSync and Share does is it makes sure that all of my files are accessible not only on my laptop, but on my iPhone and in my home office and all of that. That is a way to put unstructured file data in the cloud. But if I think of the larger problem, and it's most of the terabytes, most of the petabytes that, that enterprises have, it's the files in the group shares in the NAS. And put simply, I can't get rid of my NetApp filers, my Isilons, etc., by copying all that data onto your laptop and having you share it a bit with your mates. One, it won't fit. Two, that puts it on you to share the stuff around with everyone. So there's really a bit of a bifurcation in the market at the moment. And so we see that personal data goes typically for a home drive onto your laptop and your file signature, your OneDrive as part of the Office 365 suite, etc. And on the other hand, if I have this cloud-first objective that many CEOs have, the NAS is like a boat anchor keeping me in the data center. And what stops me putting it all in the cloud typically is that it's going to make it slow. It's going to be far from the users. So you can use techniques like ours where the file system moves to the cloud and we combine that with caching of, of files on-premise to do that transparently and in a way that I couldn't do with file sync and share. So I guess one of the challenges that we see from some of our customers when we start talking to them about, well, have you considered moving some of your data into the cloud, especially in some sectors like legal sectors as an example, they get concerned around you know, sovereignty, they get concerned around privacy. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about how what you guys do can help or support or alleviate some of the challenges they may feel by moving that data that they've got their arms around in their data center to someone else's data center or in the cloud. You've touched on something really important there, which is data privacy. And I think for a lot of customers, it's more important than even the data security consideration. Here in Europe, the big concern which affects all European corporations and lots of North American and other global corporations that have operations here is GDPR. And it requires that if we have someone like a third party access that data, that we disclose that. So the, the concern that, that immediately springs to a lot of people's minds is, well, if I'm putting all this data in the cloud, how am I going to keep that data private? And there's a couple of different ways that people look at that. You'll hear lots of people talk about it's important that we keep data encrypted in transit and at rest. So keeping data secure in transit is, is using things like TLS encryption uh, over the wire. Keeping data encrypted at rest is just a question of encrypting it and then, and then storing it. The part that people, I think, really should be concerned about is where has the data been encrypted and who has the encryption keys? And a lot of encryption at rest schemes, the default ones in the cloud, mean that the encryption keys are actually in the cloud environment along with the data. Now, if we just take a step back, historically what led us to GDPR was concerns in Europe about the USA Patriot Act. The USA Patriot Act says that the cloud vendor, they're typically American corporations, 
is duty-bound, if the US feds or other agencies ask them to disclose the data, to give it to them and to give it to them decrypted. So they will subpoena the cloud vendor. They will get a copy of the data just by asking. And that cloud vendor must not tell you that they've done that. Of course, both of those things, uh, not disclosing it and doing it in the first place, are in contravention of our regulations here in Europe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, so, that's, to, to be honest, most of the law firms, I mean, the reason mm. why they've avoided it. So they're looking at solutions to ensure that no one can read a data without them knowing about it. The silver bullet here is is pre-encryption of the data before it goes to the cloud. And there are technologies, including ours, that, that automate that process and make it transparent to users so that data is encrypted with the customer's own encryption keys uh, at, that the cloud vendor has no sight of. So for the, for the end users then, how do all these different options affect them? And what is it that you think an end user is looking for when we're, when we're talking about unstructured data? On the whole, end users kind of don't care about the infrastructure. <laughs> they, they just want it to be invisible to them. Yeah. Um, but I think there are some aspects of this that, that impact uh, end users. First of all, everyone's experience in their personal lives of using cloud services make it appear, seem, um, and it is for the user, trivially easy to move data around the world. But frequently these days when people come to work, it doesn't really work like that. We're back in that siloed, clunky IT environment. And I think to myself, gee whiz, why isn't this just easy like in the cloud? So users' expectations have, have risen. They just want it to be straightforward and easy. And that's one of the reasons that increasingly CIOs have a, have a cloud-first strategy on top of all those commercial and technical advantages. We want a user experience, which is cloud-like. The other thing that users care about when they're at work is their ability to collaborate with other users. Think about a, a, a building design model, a Revit model, or a 3D CAD model for a design of a car component or something. I might have some of the right engineers in London, and I might have some of the other engineers in Kuwait and others in India, and I might want them to be able to collaborate on all of the same things at the same time. And of course, moving unstructured data into the cloud opens up the ability to do that. And some vendors like us have technologies for global file locking that enhance that and make that way of working seamless globally. I think it's one of the things that we see, and our manufacturing was one, we work with a couple of car manufacturers and construction companies. They're always complaining that, as you say, the users don't really care. They just get out, they open the file, they save it, and not really worried. And they end up with having multiple copies of the same thing all the time. They would love to get to a position where there can just be one copy and it can be shared wherever they are, whether they're you know, opening it here, opening it in another country, so there's never a, a duplication. So, so that is one of the key advantages of doing what we've done at Masuni, which is to move the file system from the edge into the cloud itself. One of the things that that lets us do is just have that one gold copy of the file and all of the deltas for that file, no matter where in the world that they came from. We can keep that as a, an infinite number of changes to the file. And that lets us do a couple of things. One is we solve that commercial problem of not duplicating data. Two is we can enable users to collaborate globally. And thirdly, it means that we can go back to past points in time quite rapidly. Let's talk a bit about the future then. What do we see as the future for unstructured data? Is it all going to be in the cloud? Look, I, I think that CIOs are driven by reducing cost and improving user efficiency as well as reducing risk. And I think that we're heading rapidly towards a point where I'll be able to minimize risk, certainly minimize cost, and have the best user experience without having any on-premise infrastructure. I think that's really where we're headed. 
Today, I still need some on-premise infrastructure, but the more I can reduce that, the more I can shrink that down, the less capital I have to spend on that, the less risk I take in, in managing that. Whether that cloud destination is on my premises in one location using a, uh, an on-premise cloud technology stack, uh, or whether it's in Amazon's basement or Microsoft's basement, is kind of a moot point. And so for me, the future is that the on-premise infrastructure data center evaporates, it goes away. So then if it's all in the cloud, does that mean that because the platforms are so reliable and so secure that we won't then need to back any of that stuff up? People will always need a way to go back to how data was at a previous point in time. The question is, what's the most efficient way to do that? One of the most pressing reasons to do that is uh, ransomware. You know, we see that uh, it's becoming a growing threat. So in the worst case, my ultimate line of defense is being able to go back to how that data was before that encryption event took place. So that's just one reason why the need to recover data will never go away. However, I think that the need to make a secondary copy of data again and again and again, which is the way we've historically done, done backup, I think that will go away. Because what we're able to do, particularly if you have the, the file system in the cloud, the file system is able to track all of the deltas for all of the files, then I have a way that I can very rapidly, uh, in fact, practically instantly go back to a previous version of a file or a whole bunch of files in a project, or a whole share, a whole volume, or even all of the volumes if I, if I need to, to that past point in time. We're able to do that, however, without making that secondary copy and spending all that money. The technique has existed for a long time in snapshots. It's just tracking deltas. But the constraint historically has been that I could only track those deltas to the limits of the box or the disk that I could put that in, 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 in my NetApp array or whatever in the basement of my office. So the big change that I see is the ability to provide really rapid business continuity, even if I've had my files encrypted or we just bug it up and change them inadvertently or whatever it may be, even if I lost a data center because you know the, the techniques that the cloud vendors use mean that they're resilient to the loss of servers, racks, even whole data centers if you, if you pay enough. That obviates for me the need for traditional secondary storage. So I say don't do secondary storage for file data it's dumb and it's expensive and it's slow. Okay, so from a from a user perspective, let's talk about the future then. You know, will there be a scenario where users will basically just, you know, hit save? The computer intelligently knows where the user would want it to be saved to, you know, the folder or whatever. Well, for personal files, that sort of happens now with technologies like OneDrive and, 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 and that's great. But I think that for group share, the power of unstructured data is that we get to choose as a group or perhaps as a business process how we're going to organise a process, how we're going to organize our data. So for example, I'm not sure that I foresee that AI would decide who's going to change the plumbing in my 3D building model and who's going to color in the trees. I need the freedom to say, well, no, my enterprise is going to do this a little differently to the enterprise down the road. And I don't think that that commercial advantage is something that we hand over to AI. I think AI, of course, can speed up processes, can give us fresh insights and so forth. But for me, the power of unstructured data is that it's unstructured. That really means that users are deciding how it's structured and applying a structure from their own minds to that data instead of having a machine do it. Okay, uh, so um, to summarise, Dylan, can you provide a bit of a summary? Yeah, sure. So uh, we covered a lot, lots of topics with Andy today. So I guess we started off with a definition of unstructured and structured data and the differences between them. And um, we talked about the types of data, whether it's personal data or group shared data. 
uh, and why you saw those in different places. We talked about different types of technology that are available, so your more traditional on-prem NAS-based storage, which most organizations use these days, moving to your more common enterprise file sync and share technologies that you get with the likes of OneDrive, Citrix ShareFile, those sort of things that, that people are undoubtedly using. And now we're looking at the benefits that could be achieved by moving to uh, more cloud file services uh, and the benefits that that type of technology can give our users. And we talked around removing that uh, challenge of users and having multiple copies of the same file and and how by using cloud-based technology we can uh, simplify that uh, and give those guys the ability to reduce the complexity and reduce the need to hold multiple copies without actually a user needing to really understand how it works. They just save it as they always have done before and it deals in the background. We talked around how we can help with the GDPR challenge. Obviously, we've passed that deadline now, but people still need to be compliant. Um, And if you're using the analytics and search capability that this type of technology can give you, would enable you to find that data that you need, especially as if you're going to store that in the cloud, you're most probably going to have a larger set of data, so it's going to be even harder to search it than what it would on-prem. We talk about the management of your unstructured data and how that could reduce the cost and complexity together with increasing the flexibility to access your data. We talked about having cached versions of your data in one location or or whether it's all in the cloud. You can pick and choose which one you want. Really, ultimately, you can have the technology to meet the need, whatever you need in each of your locations. And ultimately, it's about trying to fix the problem of your group shared data, uh, manage that uh, in a long-term strategy. Dylan and Andy, it's been really interesting talking to you both. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for coming in today. Listeners, if there's anything in the show that has been of interest or if you'd like to speak to someone at Softcat about anything that we've talked about in this episode, do feel free to get in touch. We'll include some links in the show notes. Please also do make sure you click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll deliver the next episode to your device as soon as it lands. So thank you for listening to Explain It from Softcat. <laughs>